<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Welcome to the Caixin Seneca Business Brief, brought to you by SupChina. Each week, we bring you a roundup from the world of business in China from Caixin, China's authority on business and financial news, as well as interviews with Caixin Global reporters and editors. I'm Kaiser Guo from the Seneca Podcast. Ada Shen is away at a wedding this week. Progress on the trade war begins to look murky. Alibaba inches closer to a Hong Kong listing, and Beijing's former vice mayor admits to taking millions in bribes. Here's your news. After China last week said Beijing and Washington had agreed to roll back tariffs on each other's goods, President Trump poured cold water on the news, saying, quote, I haven't agreed to anything. He later added, China would like to get something of a rollback, not a complete rollback, because they know I won't do it. China's key demand since the start of negotiations has been the removal of punitive tariffs, which now apply to the majority of its exports to the U.S. Washington is scheduled to increase those tariffs on December 15th, though it's unclear if recent talks between the two sides mean they will be scrapped or postponed. China's exports fell less than expected in October as optimism rose over U.S.-China trade talks. Imports shrunk for a sixth straight month, though also less than expected. Exports decreased only 0.9% in October from a year earlier, while economists had forecast a 3.9% drop. Imports fell 6.4% versus a prediction of 7.8%. That left China with a trade surplus of $43 billion for the month. The better-than-expected export numbers will provide relief to companies that are being squeezed by falling profits and weak demand at home and abroad, though the decline in imports indicates that domestic demand is still subdued. The will-they-or-won't-they story of Alibaba's much-touted Hong Kong IPO is heading into the home stretch as inside sources told Caixin the company will go for a listing hearing with the Hong Kong Stock Exchange this week. Such hearings are typically the first big step that kicks off new listings with the stock's trading debut usually following within two months of that, barring any unforeseen circumstances. Alibaba will seek to raise between $10 and $15 billion compared with some of the earliest reports four months ago that put the total as high as $20 billion. The company has been listed in New York since 2014, 
but the Hong Kong listing would provide a second major market for investors to buy its shares, potentially including buyers on the Chinese mainland. The company first delayed a planned Hong Kong offering back in July, reportedly due to ongoing political tensions in the territory. But in October, reports claimed that Alibaba would seek listing approval as early as November, following its annual Double Eleven shopping extravaganza that takes place on Monday. Trip.com, the leading Chinese travel agent, formerly known as Ctrip, has formed a major new tie-up with U.S. travel ratings giant TripAdvisor in the latest step to expand its global influence beyond its home China market. In a symbolic move underscoring its global ambitions, Trip.com took on its current name just a week ago, dropping the C Trip name that it was known by for two decades among non-Chinese speakers. The company still operates C Trip as its main Chinese language platform, but it is now offering services to non-Chinese travelers in more than 20 markets using the Trip.com site, going head-to-head -head with U.S. giant Expedia and Dutch firm Booking.com. The new tie-up will see Trip.com and TripAdvisor form a joint venture, TripAdvisor China. Trip.com will hold a majority of the venture and provide cash and experience, while TripAdvisor will hold 40% and provide brand and content licenses and other assets of its Chinese business. Despite Trip.com's big hopes for the international market, its international sales are still a highly money-losing operation. The company lost almost $400 million from its foreign components in 2018, which includes its interest in overseas entities. By comparison, its older domestic business posted a profit of $672 million last year. Chen Gang, the former vice mayor of Beijing, pleaded guilty last week to accepting $19 million in bribes, the Intermediate People's Court of Nanjing said on its official social media account. Chen was labeled the first tiger to fall in 2019 when authorities announced in January a corruption investigation of the former rising star. Details of his extravagant lifestyle have drawn considerable attention. Chen took advantage of his positions to help several companies benefit from construction projects in exchange for money and gifts between 2003 and 2018, prosecutors said. More than half the bribery was received during 2018 when he was head of the Chinese Association of Science and Technology's Secretariat, Tsai learned from sources. Chen previously held various posts in the Beijing municipal government, including head of the Urban Planning Committee, where he directed and oversaw giant citywide construction projects in preparation for the Beijing 2008 Summer Olympics. When he was transferred to the Chinese Association of Science and Technology, an academic body, he feared his political career might come to an end and stepped up efforts to accumulate wealth through bribery, several sources said. Huatai Securities was voted the best Chinese equity research team by Chinese mainland and international investors in the 2019 All-China Research Team Survey, edging past last year's winner, China International Capital Corp. International investors voted UBS and Citibank as the best overall research teams. The All-China Research Team Survey is conducted by Caixin Media, an institutional investor, an international business publisher. It ranks the country's best equity research teams. 
This year, nearly 5,000 investment professionals at 1,000 buy-side institutions participated in the voting. One of China's main gaming regulators has laid out new guidelines for minors, including limits on playtime and spending for the first time since its formation last year through the merger of several agencies. The latest notice comes as China's vibrant game sector is still recovering from a 10-month freeze in new title approvals last year after the formation of the State Administration of Press, Publication, Radio, Film, and Television in early 2018. The new agency resumed approvals in December, but the long freeze put a damper on companies large and small, including industry leaders Tencent and NetEase. The new notice outlined six main measures, including one detailing implementation of a system for real name registration. A second laid out strict playing time limits for minors, saying operators should halt services for people under 18 from 10 p.m. to 8 a.m. Minors will be limited to no more than 90 minutes of game time per school day or three hours on weekends and public holidays. The notice also capped the amount that minors could pay for their game playing. The notice said people under 8 shouldn't be charged at all, while those from 8 to 15 should pay no more than $29 per month. Those 16 and over should pay no more than $57 per month, the notice said. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Let's turn now to Doug Young, Managing Editor at Caixin Global. Doug, you've got a Didi Chuxing story for us, a story about China's leading ride-hailing company. Uh, give us the skinny. Yeah, today we're going to talk about a, one of Didi's sub-services called Hitch. Uh, for those of our listeners out there, I'm sure most of them know who Didi is, but Didi is sort of like the Chinese equivalent of Uber. In fact, they were once uh, a big rival with Uber in China, and they ended up merging with uh, Uber's China operations. So uh, think of Didi as, as, as an Uber-like company. Didi was a little bit different, and it started out as a, a taxi company. It was a, a company you would use their app to, to call taxis. And then later they moved into private car services, which is what Uber is better known for. And one of those services was a, a service called Hitch. And Hitch was basically, for your very low-end Uber users, it's essentially a carpooling type service. So basically for people who aren't in a big hurry, maybe, uh, you know, if I want to go to point B, I'll get picked up. Maybe there'll be two other people sitting in the car with me. Uh, maybe the driver will drop one of them first and then drop me later. Maybe he'll drop two other people first and pick up another person. You know, it's it's uh, it's not very fast, but it's certainly faster than a bus. So anyhow, we had this this service called Hitch, and, and it was apparently quite popular. Then the story is that some of these Hitch drivers were not the most reliable people. Uh, you know, an Uber gets accused of the same sort of thing. And last year, we had uh, a couple of scandals. I, I guess <laughs> scandal sounds like too mild a word, but uh, basically two women in two separate cases uh, were taking using Hitch late at night 
and ended up getting killed by their their drivers. And the first case obviously made huge headlines. And then after the second case, you know, people are saying, gee, maybe uh, we need to do a review of Hitch and, and see what's happening here. Uh, you know, this is going to undermine Didi's credibility. Maybe there needs to be some sort of a review. And, and they did end up suspending the Hitch service after that. I remember when this happened. And yeah, it was definitely a big headline at the time. Uh, so Hitch was suspended for what, about a year? Yeah, it was somewhere around a year. So that takes us up to what's going on now. Uh, let's pick up where we left off. What happened after that? So it was suspended, but the news that's uh, new this week is that Didi did a, a thorough review of the thing because I think it was fairly lucrative for them and, and you know, it certainly caters to this lower end of the market. And just this past week, they came out with a revised or revamped, whatever you want to call it, version of Hitch. And they're going to do it on a, a pilot basis. Uh, so they're just doing it in like five or six cities initially. But what's interesting is they rolled out a version that ended up being the source of a bit more controversy. Um, basically, the, what happened was it's not going to be a 24-hour service because I guess the wee hours of the morning in the middle of the night must be the hours when these crimes occur most commonly. So it's going to just be sort of uh, from five in the morning, maybe until eight at night, if you're a woman. And then they, they put out other rules that said, if you're a man, it'll run from five in the morning till 11 at night. So basically, men could use it for three more hours in the evening than women. And the logic, I guess, was that those last three hours of the evening might be when more sex-related complaints come in. So Didi perhaps had uh, good intentions in doing it, but of course, there was all sorts of outcry over, you know, discrimination against women. Why do men get to take it for three more hours than women do? And so Didi did a uh, slight backtracking just two days after they announced the plan and said, okay, everybody is just going to get to use it until eight o'clock at night. So that's basically the end of the story. And you know, we'll, we'll see what happens when it launches. I think it launches, uh, relaunches at the end of November. So I imagine there'll be some more tweaks here and there before Hitch is finally back on its feet. Doug, give us a sense of where Hitch fits into Didi's business model. Yeah, well, again, this is what I was saying before. Didi has a few different price points and Hitch being the lowest price point. Probably their middle price point would be taxi service and then their highest price point would be these private cars. And again, the bigger story is Didi's trying to come up with a complete product line. Uh, they're under a lot of pressure, just like Uber was. Most people think they're losing money, although I don't think I've seen any numbers recently. But it's a tough business. There's a lot of competition. And I think Didi has been around now in, in various forms for probably at least seven or eight years. So they are probably coming under pressure to think about an IPO just the same way Uber was. And... Uh, I imagine we'll probably see something in the next, maybe next couple of years, even maybe, maybe even next year. Because again, you know, people have been waiting a long time with this company. And I think investors are getting antsy and wanting to cash out. Thanks so much, Doug. And we will talk to you again next week. Okay. Thanks, Kaiser. And that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. The Taishin Syndicate Business Brief is powered by SupChina and is produced by Kaiser Guo and Tanner Brown with stories from the staff of Taishin Global. Thanks, of course, to Ada Shen, who will be back next week. Special thanks to Lee Sin of Tyson Global and to Spring and Autumn and Wu Fei for the music. 
Be sure to check out all the other shows about contemporary China in the expanding Sinica network. And be sure to follow the news from SupChina every day at SupChina. Subscribe to our newsletter at SupChina.com. Take care.